The Thunder have climbed to the top of the conference. Are they for real? What's the ceiling of this team? Me and Patrick are giving our two teams that we think are going to rise up the standings and fall down the standings after this early slate. The in-season games to watch out for as the tournament's group stage comes to a close. And best, worst take. Guy. Happy Tuesday. How's it going, man? It's going good. It's going good. You know, on the Friday pod, I talked about the Chiefs-Eagles game. I know not NBA, but it hey. lived up to the hype. It was amazing. Almost an intercepted spike, which I think would have been the coolest play ever. Um, Yeah, yeah. I I, th- I don't even know what the NBA equivalent to like an intercepted spike would be. It would be like a, a tip-off that like goes right into Maybe like hoop. a snatch block on a heave. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Um, How about them Thunder? Thunder are good. The Thunder are good, and Chet has arrived. I don't even know like where to, I was too low on them. Yeah, I mean the season. It's funny because the Timberwolves are currently the one seed, so the Thunder are currently the three seed. They're ten and four. They're actually the first team in the NBA to get to ten wins. So shout out to Thunder. Um, it's funny, Patrick. You and I, you know, we had our whole. You were Team Timberwolves. I was Team Thunder, and. So far, they're both just amazing, and we don't have a conclusive winner to the debate yet because they haven't played. Yeah, they. I don't even know when they play yet, but I mean, my the main reason why I was very tentative into going all in on like the Thunder are a like surefire lock to be a top six seed in the West was I am not a believer generally in rookie starting centers who are really skinny who are really really (laughs) skinny and chet holmgren is just the exception to the rule in every single way he's looking like an actual like star not just like a good player but a star right now we talked chet wemby like a couple weeks ago and i think at the time both of those stuff were like wemby's for sure the rookie of the year chet you know he's doing absolutely amazing but he's not quite there i feel like chet's definitely you know even the race maybe even overtaken wemby for a lot of people yeah i mean his efficiency stats i think are are like objectively better than wemby's his counting stats like are here and there i you want to play a little game yeah let's i love playing games let's play a game okay So, Chet Holmgren, in his first 14 games, has 23 three-pointers and 30 blocks. This has happened um, eight times in NBA history. Interestingly enough, I'll give you a little hint to start off. All of the players that have done this are still active players. Well, it's got to be Jaron. Yep, Jaron has done this before. He did this in uh, last season. That's one of them. Oh, it, it, One it's, player, it's outside of the rookie seasons, too. Yes, outside. Just in general. This oh. has only happened eight times in NBA history. I, I, has Cat done it once? Cat's never done this. No. One uh, player's done it twice as well. So one player's I'll, done I'll it tell twice. you. So A there's six other big. players. You oh have five to guess. I, I just I want to say Channing Fry because he's my guy, but there's no way he ever got that many blocks. No, Chan, um, Channing, my guy from St. Mary's High School in Phoenix. I, I love Channing, but no, he's not on this um, list. Dude, I don't know. I, I feel like Jaron's obviously the one that comes straight to mind. Another Yeah, they're all big. active players right now. Another shooting big. Um, why am I just drawing a complete blank on shooting bigs? Is there a Joel Embiid in there? Joel Embiid has not done this. So those are the guys I'm thinking about shooting a lot of threes. Is there a Miles Turner in there? There is a Miles Turner in 2021. Miles Turner accomplished this. I don't think I'm gonna get the other guys. You're you are gonna kick yourself. I I can I can tell you, unless you 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 sure you don't want to throw out any other guesses. 
Well, there, I don't think there's a Giannis. There's no Giannis. I don't think there's a Davis. There's no Davis. I don't think there's a Jokic. There's no Jokic. You're right. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to kick myself. So the player that has done this twice, he's done it for two different teams, neither of which the team that he's on right now, Kristaps Porzingis, okay. did this in 2017 with the Knicks and 2019 with the Mavericks. Okay. Kevin Durant did this once for the Warriors. Brooke Lopez did this last season for the Bucks. And then the one you were not going to get was Chris Boucher did this for the Raptors. So that's Porzingis, Durant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brooke Lopez, Chris Boucher, and Miles Turner. Like, needless to say, this is a very, like, new occurrence. Players being able to be such effective three-point shooters and rim protectors. And I think, like, Chet is the best, like, version of this, like, maxed out stats on both of these very specific things that we've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't want to get into Chet too, too quickly, but we could start with Chet. I think Chet's been a huge part of, like, why the Thunder have been so, so good. So he's averaging, you know, over 50% from two, over 45% from three, over 90 from the free throw line. So he's a 50-40-90 guy off-rip. When you're shooting 90% with the free throw line, that suggests the three-point shooting is for real and it is going to stabilize in the 40s. When you're at 90% free throw, that suggests he is going to be this elite shooter. Um, and it's not just the blocking the shots. It's his defense is so good. It's it's like you know the quickness on the pick and roll. It's the spacing. It's like just always being in the right spot, always mindful of like, oh, hey, someone rotated on the weak side, so now I got to cover two for like a two-second span here, so I'm going to stand here. He's just really good like positionally, and he's given them like a huge anchor on defense, even as we spoke earlier. like His strength limitations are definitely glaring on a lot of instances. Mm -hmm. It's like... He can't really box out even when he tries, but he goes for it, which you like to see. But yeah, he's just such a smart defender. He's really good at blocking shots. It almost plays into his favor, the lack of strength, because guys just always want to challenge him and always learn like he's going to block you. Yeah, yeah. So would you, do you think Chet's their be second best player right now? So I didn't want to go into negatives too quickly, okay. but there's actually some Chet stuff that as a Thunder team, I love as a Chet Wemby, I actually kind of like, maybe you think, I guess I'll just go into it because I thought it was Let's interesting. Let's go into it. So on over one third of Chet's games, 100% of his shots have been assisted. Wow. <laughs> so this is a guy who is doing almost no self-creation, mm -hmm. like at all. And a lot of the games where he's not getting assisted on every single one of his buckets, it's like 80% of the buckets, 85% of the buckets. So this is a guy who is really, really benefiting from playing with Shea, playing with Giddy, playing with J-Dub. That's um, super interesting. But this isn't about Chet versus Wemby. But I just think that I thought that was really interesting. It was a stat I found. But another Chet thing is, ironically, one thing I don't like about the Thunder is how good Chet has been because it's a statistical regression waiting to happen. Even 45% is just, that's not sustainable. So actually, his rolling 10-game averages, all of his efficiency stats are, are going down. Gotcha. But... Yeah. Almost everything else is going up. He's getting better at rebounding. He's getting better at positioning. So that's the thing. More comfortable just in the yeah, flow in the of games. NBA flow. The good news for Chet, though, is I don't really think his efficiency slide is going to go much further. Because, this, again, this is a player who's not doing a lot of self-creation. It's a lot of assisted buckets. It's a lot of, like, jump shooting. And, again, the free throw shooting suggests to me that the three-point shot is never really going to dip below 40. So mm -hmm. if he settles down at, like, 41%, like, that's... 
He's that's still one of the still... best shooting bigs in the league, especially at his height. He's able to get that shot off over like players coming on the you know late contest. Um, but back to what I like about this team. This is the main thing I really, really like about this team is their main lineup, their starting lineup that's played together a lot is plus four or plus 7.4 per 100 possessions. That's SGA, J-Dub, Dort, Gideon, Chet. And what I really, really like about this lineup is SGA, J-Dub, and Giddy are in attack mode 24-7. Almost every single Thunder possession includes one of these three guys like trying to get to the rim. Um, one thing I like is of the mid-range shots this team takes, almost all of them are close to the basket mid-range. They take almost no long twos. Um, I don't think anyone tracks this stat, but I think this team has to lead the league in like, I have the ball and I'm just going to run at the hoop and then just figure out what goes on from there. Like they have a lot of plays off busted. Like Giddy jumps up really high. Three guys are on him. Giddy falls over, but he passes to J-Dub who then passes to SGA. Like they have to lead the league in that. With the exception of Chet, I feel like all those guys that we're, we're talking about right now are really strong players as well. So they like kind of play in like this. I mean, everyone talks about how Shea, plays in that like super slow motion, herky jerky fashion where he's just kind of figuring it out as he's going. And I think you, you couldn't have hit the nail on the head more perfectly with, with that. I, I totally agree. Um, dude, one of my notes for what I like. I, so I kind of divided this into what I like and what I don't like. And one of my, what I likes is just says SGA is ridiculous. Um, so SGA is currently shooting 50% on nine and a half pull-ups a game. For perspective, Kevin Durant is shooting 43% on the similar attempts. So this is a guy who's just an absolute elite pull-up jump shooter. And what's crazy is I looked back at last season to say, like, is this just kind of a crazy, you know, shooting streak? Because 50% on pull-ups is, is absurd. He shot 45, 46 on that last season. So this is a sustainable number. Probably not 50, probably 48, 49. But, like, that's... I don't know, man. When your offense, if you get to the bottom of the shot clock and you go, hey, we could just throw it to SGA and he can get us a bucket, like, I don't know, man. That's kind of what helps you get out of shooting slumps as a team when your go-to player is just that efficient on broken plays. Yeah, well, not only that, but this is this is a team that so far in the season has played a lot of games that come down to the wire. Like, we referenced that overtime game that they played against the Warriors um, just last weekend. And, like, it's... That's kind of the cheat code to winning super close games is having a guard that can get whatever they want in the mid range. And like, so, so you've got Shea who can get whatever he wants. You've got Jalen Williams who goes through phases of really being able to get whatever he wants as well. That's two guys. You've got an elite play finisher in Chet. Cleaning the glass right now has their expected wins at 61. What do, what do you think when you hear something like that? I think they can get to the high like high mid-50s. I think 60 would be kind of crazy just because there are so, so many good teams. Spoiler alert, you know, when we were doing we we're doing risers and fallers earlier, and I, I had a suspicion the Timberwolves were a little bit of a fool's gold, but I didn't see any statistical indicators with them. So I think the Timberwolves actually might be up here to stay for a while. Um, this team, I think, is going to be here to stay for a while. Um, I just want to... Another thing I really like about this team, we talk about this a lot, is size on the perimeter, especially with, like, the Nuggets winning the championship last year. What I love about this team is their two shortest rotation players are Carson Wallace at 6'4 and Lou Dort at 6'3. Obviously, both are really good defenders off-rip. Wallace is a really good perimeter defender. What I like about Dort, despite his size, he's just so strong. 
that he actually doesn't have a lot of the weaknesses typical players at his height because he's the same height as Steph Curry. Yeah. You know, a lot of the times people see a Steph Curry on the court or like a Trey Young, for example, he's a little shorter, but they're like, it's not just the height. It's also when you're shorter, you tend to be a little less strong, less stout. But Dort doesn't get moved around. He's really physical. This team doesn't really play anyone who's just going to get bullied out there. Yeah, I mean, th- it's interesting. They they do have really great positional size, but we're kind of approaching my biggest worry about the Thunder so far, and that's their rebounding. Regardless of how big their guys are so far in the season, especially on the offensive glass, they have had little to really no success. It's interesting, like, Chet has been a pretty good defensive rebounder but he's literally in the last percentile as far as offensive rebounding goes yeah and that comes with stretching the floor in the role that he's asked to do but I wonder if it became like in a playoff series when it's like okay we gotta like make the offensive rebounding a little bit more of a point of emphasis if they'd be able to make that heel turn Yeah, no, so one thing I don't like about this team for the playoffs is the whole, like, Chet just not being strong enough. And again, I feel like I've seemed really down on Chet throughout this discussion. I'm super, super high on Chet. Like, I think the efficiency is for real. Obviously, I said not a lot of self-creation, but, like, he has been so impressive as a rookie. But it does come down to the strength thing where, like, there's a game um, against the Suns, actually, where he's trying to box out, I want to say, Nurkic. And it's just, like... He is so he's like incapable of doing a proper box out versus a lot of these like bigger NBA centers. And it's like one of those things where it's like that could be a worry spot for the Thunder if teams are just pounding them on the glass. Yeah, Um, especially with the athleticism they have in the playoffs, not being able to rebound like that is going to affect your transition game. And it's just going to like trickle down in so many areas. Yeah, I think that's one thing, too, is like transition opportunities that come from missed rim attempts usually means that the defending transition team has one less guy mm-hmm. and that sets up, you know, problems. And, you know, as the playoffs go, efficiency tends to trickle down and those situations occur when your team is recklessly kind of attacking the basket. But I, I don't know. I think this team, I, I think this team, the one thing this team does have because of Chet's just unreal shooting at the five spot and SGA's unreal self-creation is, I think this team does have that kind of stealing where it's like maybe they struggle to stop a Denver or some of these other teams, but they can also probably kind of just score on them a lot as well. Like, I don't, I think this team kind of has like a we can get into a shootout series with anybody type of feel to them. Absolutely. I mean, I, and when you talk about teams like that, I think those are the teams that you think like they can win one, maybe two playoff series, but then like really, being that real contender, I think, is where we both kind of have a little pause. And I think that's fair for them right now. Yeah. If I'm a Thunder fan, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, these, this team is top 10 in offensive and defensive rating. This is a true contender. But I just, yeah. I, I, I also don't know about, like, where Jalen Williams is as that guy that's like, okay, like, Shea doesn't have it going he's going to be our guy in game three in Chase Center against the Warriors. Like, how is that going to go? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think J-Dub 
you know, he's good at driving. He's a good shooter. He's another guy. He's kind of like SGA where he's really good at if he is going to get forced into a mid-range, it's always one that's a little bit closer to the basket. It's never a deep one. I've noticed that in his like shooting frequency stats. I think my worry playoff-wise for the Thunder, and you see this a lot with some of these younger teams, is like the regular season comes and you are flying up and down the court because everyone on your team is like 22, 23, 24, and you're at this weird – you're at this apex point where maybe you're not fully formed as a basketball player, but you, you have NBA experience, but you still have that youthful like – I'm going to drive. Shea is leading the NBA in drives per game. 21 drives per game. The amount of energy it takes to drive the ball 21 times on top of everything else Shea is doing. He's also you know, guarding point guards, so he's navigating screens. A lot of stamina. It's one of those things in the playoffs where I saw it in the Suns game too where like kind of like every possession down, Josh Giddey's like, oh, I have the ball. I am going to the hoop. And Bradley Beal is like, Man, I'm like 32. Like, I don't know how you guys are doing this every single possession, but it's one of those things in the playoffs where I think the Thunder still have that edge. But I think that kind of like youthful energy edge does diminish a little bit in the playoffs when a team like the Suns is like, okay, you know, it's a playoff game. I know I have two days off after this. I'm ready. Yeah, absolutely. Like, let's let's grind it out. Ugh. Watching these, these two uh, Warriors Thunder game of this last week, I, I want I want a Thunder Warriors series so bad. I just feel like it would be so poetic for the first like the first real test of of this Warriors team that's not like a LeBron James test for the team that they basically destroyed in getting KD. Like that that history of those two franchises, I am so all in on that. On that, that's like it's raised to top three in the the playoff series. I I want most of all. I gotta be honest. Would you? That's a good point. I, I guess my question was: Would you rather have Wolves Warriors or Thunder Warriors? Ooh, there is the Wolves sp- Warriors is so spicy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it it is so spicy. I don't. Can I? Vote? Although SGA posted a uh, a a montage of him cooking Steph the other day, so I think they're trying to get into the Warriors beef circle. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everybody's kind of in the Warriors beef circle. Mm-hmm. Right now. Um, big test for the Thunder is coming up, not in a couple games, they have a stretch where they are playing the Philadelphia 76ers, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Los Angeles Lakers. So I think that is going to be a really, really telling stretch for what this team's ceiling is because what does Chet look like versus the bulldozer in Embiid, right? Yeah. What does he look like against Minnesota where, you know – Minnesota, obviously the towns go bear pairing. I still have questions about it. It's been pretty good this year on the court net rating wise, but like, you know, Giddy is like effectively their four right now. What does Giddy look like? You know, what does Chet look like when he's having to guard towns and Gobert? Because the thing with Gobert is he may not be that skilled, but he's big. He's physical. Towns, you know, everyone thinks about the shooting. What defines really towns is the driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he he had this huge bully, bully ball um poster the other day. Mm-hmm. Like both both of those guys are guys that can hypothetically put Chet in the basket. Yeah, and then the Lakers, I think, you know, is maybe the most favorable of those three for Chet because Davis really isn't a guy who's trying to, like, you know, clobber you. But you also have LeBron James, who's a bulldozer, where Mm -hmm. it's just like Chet literally got injured trying to guard LeBron James. (laughs) So, I mean, it's one of those things where I just want to see what he and the Thunder look like against these kind of mega-sized teams. Yeah, yeah, no, you're 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 really right there. Yeah, it will be super interesting and super telling. Patrick, we are about, uh, we're about you know 13, 12, 
games into the season. Last year, the Utah Jazz obviously were like the two seed at this point in the they season. They were actually the number one seed um, on November 20th of last year. So it is November 21st. So we are here to decide which teams we think are... Uh, not frauds per se, but teams we think that maybe are too low in the standings right now compared to where we think they'll finish or too high. Mm -hmm. um, so we each picked a riser. We each picked a faller. Who is your riser? My riser is the Atlanta Hawks. I've been, honestly, we both have like a little bit of stock in the Hawks. Um, right now, um, the Hawks are kind of middle of the road in the East, but they have the fifth best offensive rating in the NBA, and this is behind literally a season or a career worst start from Trey Young. Trey Young is shooting, um, he's shooting 28% from three and 40% from the field right now. And I'm willing to bet that that is going to normalize. You've already bet on <laughs> NBA Island last week that that is going to normalize. And I just, I really love their wing rotation. The three-man lineup of Trey Young, Sadiq Bey, and Jalen Johnson. It has 99 minutes, which is like a pretty good sample size for this point into the season. They've got 128 offensive rating with Trey still having all of his offensive woes and a 97 defensive rating, which obviously is really good in any way that you, you look at it. But three men lineup with Trey Young usually are very rough on a defensive rating standpoint. And for it to be that good with two guys that are getting huge minutes from the Hawks, I think is super, super promising. I'm like, obviously the East is not like the stronger conference. So there's a little bit of ground to make up there with just you're playing worse teams. Um, yeah, and then I just, like, I think they have a lot of guys. Like, I think they have, like, a clear, like, really eight-man playoff rotation of, like, Jalen Johnson has really taken that step. They've got Sadiq Bey. Bogdanovich is healthy. Trey Young and DeJounte Murray are, are start. They, I, I really like what they're looking like. DeJounte Murray has been a super efficient isolation player so far this season on – not so many possessions, but enough to, like, look good. And then I, I still really like the Onyeka Kongu minutes. Um, so I, I think there's a, a big – and they've been 28th in, in defense – or 23rd in defensive rating. So there's a lot of, like, area to improve there, obviously. But I trust Quinn Snyder. He's my coach of the year pick. Um, well, so last season the Hawks – Famously, we're always within one game of 500 the entire mm -hmm. season. So I guess they've kind of continued that. So I guess what is the thing that you think is going to change that will make them stop that trend? I, I It's the wing rotation. It's the steady wing rotation. I think last year they were relying so much on De DeAndre Hunter when DeAndre Hunter is just a super limited offensive player. And Jalen Johnson is a legit dude. He can bring the ball to the to the rim. I think he plays really well off Trey Young. And, um, yeah. And, and then I also think just another year of Sadiq Bey, like, really being in this system. Uh, I think, finally, 
since that um, 2021 run, they have a, a room of wings that can really play. I'm still pretty high on A.J. Griffin. He's not getting like a super big amount of minutes right now, but their roster just makes sense in a way that I don't think it did last year, and they're young. It, it's really built around youth, which I love. So right now they're the nine seed at six and six. Where do you think they're going to rise to? Um, I, I think they can jockey around for that that sixth spot, maybe like really bubble of play in and and playoff locks. Okay, so I, yeah. not a huge rise, but not a huge rise. But you're thinking they rise from like a play in contender to a we probably have narrowly avoid the plan. Yeah, it's like it's like if if things go really well, I think they could avoid the plan, but at least like they're a home plan team. I'm I just I don't, I personally I don't see it with the Hawks. I don't think they're bad. I just I don't know, man. Even if Trey does normalize, I feel like this team is going to be this kind of same like 41 and 40. That's how I see it personally. If, my thing is if Trey it's all built on the back of their offense. Yeah. If Trey normalizes, they're like a top three offense in this in mm-hmm. in the league, which like it's just hard to beat. Yeah. On a day in day out basis. No, we definitely see that with some teams that can play a lot of offense and can't play a lot of defense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, shout out my Mavs. Um, all right, you want to hear my riser? Yes. Yes. Who's your riser? All right, maybe a boring pick. My riser is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Currently, they're the eighth seed, so they're one ahead of the Hawks. They are seven and six. They are fifteenth in offensive rating, twelfth in defensive rating. Two years ago, forty-four wins. Last year, fifty-one wins. So, the reason I'm really optimistic about the Cavs is so so far, Darius Garland's missed five games, and Jared Allen's missed five games. So this is a team that's had some injuries, and these injuries are actually lingering a little bit. So Garland is having a huge spike in his turnover rate. Um, Allen is having a huge spike in his foul rate. Um, Allen's also doing a really bad job rebounding right now. So why am I like happy about this team? Because last season, this team's killer kind of lineup that played a million minutes was plus eight. Um, and that's when they had Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen on the floor. That foursome with like anyone else basically was just like one of the best teams in the NBA. Obviously, it kind of fell apart in the playoffs, a double big. But this isn't the playoffs. It's the regular season. Uh, another weird thing with Garland, his shooting has just been pretty bad so far this year. So Allen and Garland kind of have a lot of just like really quick, easy, like 10 games from now when they just start looking more like themselves. This team will probably go back to being really good. Right now, the kind of starting lineup, which is those four guys now with Max Struess added, who I think is a good addition, is minus two. I think that minus two has a lot to do with early season small sample size, but also Garland playing through this next strain. Allen playing through his ankle. I just think Allen and Garland are kind of kind of rebound. This team was way too good last year to randomly just not be that good this year. Um, yeah, I just think there's just a lot of room for this team to just get better. Mitchell's kind of just been himself. There's no like outliers with Mitchell, and he's one of the best regular season scoring guards we've seen in a while. So I don't know. I don't really see the pathway for the Cavs to not rise up the standings. So how high do you see the Cavs getting? So I put a prediction on both my riser and my faller. I think they're going to rise up to the five seed. I think they're going to pass the Knicks. I think they're going to pass the Magic. And I think they're going to pass the Pacers. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I think the Cavs just meet every like criteria for a team that should be a top six team yeah. in the East. Um, I think the Max Struess edition has worked out super well for them. Their roster just... Makes so much more sense, and like you, you outlined their uh, 
injury troubles really perfectly. And they've lost a lot of like really weird games this year that is not something that I think will sustain. Yeah, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know, just seems like a team that I'm just like, all right, a little early season, then it performing, this team's going to get back into shape. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes a while. Come on, we're only, we're not even a quarter of the season yet. That's true. So who is your faller? All right, my faller are the Los Angeles Lakers. And I know the Lakers are not super high. What do you, what do you think when I say that to you? I think they're got to be a riser. A riser? Okay. Here's, here's my concern with the Los Angeles Lakers. This is a team that is 24th in offensive rating right now, which is objectively horrible. And let me just tell you about our friend LeBron James, <laughs> how he is how he is shooting right now. He is shooting from 3, he is shooting 40%, which he has not done since <laughs> 1314 Miami. <laughs> Miami. In the mid-range, he's shooting 44%, which he has not done since 2010-2011 Miami. At the rim, he is shooting a career best 82%, <laughs> which he's never done before, but the it's the best since 1314 Miami. I love LeBron James just as much as the next guy, but there is no way that these numbers are going to stick. I like there there is going to be regression to the mean, especially for a guy that is going to turn 39 in like 3 weeks. Like it's just like what LeBron has been able to done do done what LeBron has been able to do this year has just so exceeded any like idea of like even what LeBron James can do I just I I don't believe it and then once we get that regression this offense is just like it's gonna get ugly I I think they're playing in so many close games thus far this season the the fall that I see I see the Lakers as more they're 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 a playing team they, they, they are right now in the sixth seed, and I think they're probably a bottom half playing team because they've, they've really been healthy so far this, this season. And I, I hate to, like, concern troll on health, but they, they're 10th in defensive rating right now. If, Le, if uh, AD misses any time, this team is in serious, serious trouble on defense – and if the 39-year-old wonder LeBron James misses any time, I think they're the worst offense in the league. So the reason I actually I got to go counter on this is, is because the Lakers actually started the season with like another like Lakers are the worst three-point shooting team ever stretch to begin the season. And, you know, Reeves is kind of starting to look a little bit better, but they haven't really got a lot out of those Reeves-Davis lineups that literally was the best team in the NBA without LeBron playing last year. I feel like... Even if LeBron's efficiency dips down, this team has so many areas just to get back to where it was last year that I don't know. Like they're eight and six right now. I'd be kind of surprised if they don't start winning at a higher rate. I just think their their like defensive personnel is worse than than it was last year. Um, but they're gonna get Vanderbilt maybe back. with Vanderbilt back, it's like a little bit better. I I just 
I don't know. I, I, I think they're going to struggle to score. I think they already struggled to score. And um, it's just, I don't know. I haven't loved what I've seen from them. So you think they're going to fall to like a 9-10? Yeah. Wow. I would be, I would be shocked. I'll be honest. I'll be, I, I would mean, be shocked. And that's the team that we've seen for the last four years. Yeah. You know, in the regular season, the Lakers are a like 8-9-10. Yeah. A 8-9-10 team that's a mess on offense. This is pretty much the same team that we've seen, and it, they've been pretty much completely healthy. So I, I just feel like history tells us that that's kind of what this team is. I'm not talking about they, – they have LeBron James, who has looked really awesome, like I've diagrammed. They have, they have Anthony Davis, who has been literally a top-10 defense by himself. I, I think their equity as far as like a playoff team, it's very separate from what they are as a regular season team. But the way that they, I think they're more reliant on their stars than any team in the NBA, really. They have been so far, but I think that's almost what gives me like Lakers optimism is that like everything they did so well last season, they haven't done this season. And I don't, I guess I just don't see why they can't get back to that as time progresses, especially when Vanderbilt comes back. Yeah, that's it's very uh, like Celtics of uh, the last two years. Like two years ago, they were such an intensely good defense, and then last year they were such an intensely good offense. And we really haven't seen like the two match kind of this year. Yeah, but it's different personnel. But um, um, that that's where I'm. What is your right? What is your faller? My follower is the Orlando Magic. So the Orlando Magic are currently the five seed in the East. They're eight and five, so not like a crazy record. Um, they're currently 25th in offensive rating and fourth in defensive rating. So the reason I think the Magic are going to be a faller is I don't see the room for them to really get much better on offense, and I see a lot of pathways where they don't finish the season top eight on defense. Um, right now they're 27th in half-court offense, by the way, which is like basically it's like them, Memphis, Portland. It's like the worst teams in the league and them. Um, so the reason I think there's a lot of defensive regression heading their way, there's two stats. One, they're fourth in opposing teams, like, corner three percentage. It's, like, a weird little stat, but, like, that tends to be a luck stat that tends to, over the course of the season, balance out. Um, but the really big one, this is the really, really big one that I really why I think this team could fall off on defense. So this team is 21st in allowing attempts at the rim. So they're a bottom third team and are letting the other team shoot at the rim. But their rim defense has taken a 10% jump from last year. They're allowing only 60% at the rim, which is like one of the top teams in the league. This team doesn't have a lot of height. You know, it's like Wendell Carter's the starting center. He's really short for a center. It's like Paulo Bancaro, who's a good athlete, strong for a young guy. But again, like this is not a rim protector. Um, this team is all six in opposing offensive rebound rate. The reason I put all these numbers together is because that number suggests to me that this is a team that can get beat up down low because of the height issue, even though they are kind of stronger for their size. Um, I just don't think that rim defense is going to maintain. And I think when you're allowing that many rim attempts and all of a sudden you go back to allowing like 68% at the rim, your defense starts to go from fourth to eighth. And I think this team is a really a team that cannot maintain like cannot keep winning if their defense doesn't stay at a top five level another defensive stat i think will regress they're forcing a turnover on almost 18 percent of all their possessions that is not going to maintain that is a crazy and a lot of that is from this one rockets game where they basically force like a gazillion turnovers but again maybe you don't force a gazillion turnovers in that game and you lose it so 
I don't see the pathway for the offense to get it better because this is a team with like bad shooters, like Jalen Suggs. Not great you know, like, creation either. Yeah, like Jalen Suggs shooting thirty four percent on three. He's kind of improved every year, so maybe he maintains that. But like Bancaro is shooting like forty five percent on threes right now. Not on crazy volume, so that regressing won't kill them. But like. I don't know. I just don't really see the pathway for the offense to get better. And there's a lot of ways that the defense just is going to be worse by the end of the season. So I, I think you lay it out really well of why they they are a, a prime candidate to regress. How far do you think they fall? So I think they're going to fall all the way to 9-10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And honestly, I feel like of the teams below them as regular season teams – I like the Pacers, I like the Knicks, I like the Cavs, I like the Hawks, and I like the Nets, honestly, all better than them. Yeah, I think the Nets is maybe the team where I would stop that that slide. But yeah, I think, I, and honestly, I think making the plan is is pretty good achievement for this Magic team. Because I think if we've learned anything from this short stretch is like, they will have games where their kind of perimeter size and athleticism and speed like does overwhelm teams and they are able to force turnovers. Like, I don't think they're going to go from forcing a sh- like a crazy amount of turnovers to like forcing no turnovers. Yeah. I just think it's going to, you know, it will go down from like 18% to like 15, 14%. And that, that matters over the course of a season because this team relies so much on transition offense because their half court is so bad. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I mean, you know that we've got a long season ahead of us. Um, I guess uh, we'll have to see who the uh, Utah Jazz and Portland Portland Trailblazers were the four seed last year uh, at this time. Yeah, um, we'll we'll see who the Wizards were in the playoffs last year at this time. So uh, we're gonna have to see. Uh, yeah who those candidates are for this season. Yeah, I know Magic fans are probably, what are you talking about? But, I mean, this is how the NBA goes. It's always, like, the first 15, 20 games. There's teams that are in positions they don't finish near. Obviously, injuries are a part of that, too. But, like, a lot of it is, like, in these small sample sizes, weird things happen. And you know what? Like, for a team like the Magic, recent NBA history has shown, like, that's kind of the model of a young team turning into a serious team. We saw that the very first year of the play-in with the Grizzlies. They made the play-in, and they lost the play-in, but you could see, like, this guy Jaw is a real guy, and we, we've we s- seen that, and, and I think it's going to continue. So, like you said, like, the Magic have a, a very bright future ahead of them, but I, I don't think that's as a playoff lock. They're not the Oklahoma City Thunder. No, they are not the Thunder. So the NBA in-season tournament has two weeks left, and Patrick and I chose the games to watch, the games that are going to make it interesting. And you know what? I, I picked four games. Uh, I'm going to go through them really quick. Yeah, rattle through them. West Group A, the Lakers versus the Jazz. This game is happening tonight. So if the Lakers win, they'll be the first team to ever go undefeated in group play. Wow. LeBron James just adding another... Um, Infinity Stone do his gauntlet. Yep. Um, the other thing with the Lakers win, it gives Phoenix a relatively easier path to get the wild card spot because if the Jazz win, it sets up a three-way tie scenario because Phoenix is one and one and one, but their final games are versus Portland and Memphis. So Phoenix has a real opportunity here to go two and L, finish three and one, and rack up that point differential to get the wild card tiebreaker. So, um, Either outcome of tonight's game is interesting for Lakers Jazz. West Group C, Kings Timberwolves on Friday. If the Kings win, they'll be 3-0 heading into their game versus the Warriors. That's another team that has Warriors beef. If Minnesota wins, 
depending on by how much, it puts the Kings in the wild card hunt. Uh, East A, Pacers-Hawks tonight. If the Pacers win, they basically clinch the East A over the Sixers, which is fun. If the Hawks win, it sets up a three-team scenario where them, the Pacers, or the Sixers could win the group. So that's pretty fun because what I like about these scenarios where three teams are going to tie is it means we're going to see teams try to have to go for the point differential, which means teams are going to have to go for blowout wins, which is something we've never seen in, in NBA history. This is what the result of this format is. Uh, final game I'm excited for, Knicks Heat, Friday the 28th. If the Heat win, then them and Milwaukee will both be undefeated going into their final group play game. So it'll be the, the most hyped-up group play game of all time! Um, because Milwaukee, while they're not undefeated yet, their next game is against the Wizards. They're going to win that. Uh, if the Knicks win against the Heat, it should clinch the East wildcard for them, because right now they are first in wildcard point differential... And their final game is versus the Hornets, which I believe the Knicks will win. Which means if the Knicks win this Heat game, they will likely be your East Wild Card. Yeah, I, I mean, I there's so much great basketball to watch. I think my the group, if you have to just choose one group to watch, watch Group B in the West. Nuggets Rockets on Friday night. Right now, the Pelicans and Nuggets are tied at two and one, but the Rockets are one and one and have only played two games. So like. This group of any group is like completely up for grabs. Nuggets and the Rockets play on Friday. That's going to be a huge game. I've got my eye on that one. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of awesome basketball, and it's all coming to a head on these next three in-season tournament days, which is today, Tuesday, Friday, and the next Tuesday is the last um, Tuesday of in-season tournament group play. Yeah, so uh, quick, you know, I know we banned the Suns, but I think the Suns moratorium's coming to an end soon. Yes, maybe, hopefully, um, we'll see. So I, I guess to go back to West A, though, um, you guys are one and one, but you have Portland and Memphis, so you guys have a point differential of zero right now. So if the, if you guys can just win those games by like eight points each, you guys are probably the wild card in the West. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you just look at um, what LA's point differential is right now. They've had the opportunity to, to play both the Blazers and the Grizzlies, and they've got a plus 42 point <laughs> differential. So, I mean, I think especially with how Devin Booker and KD have been playing recently, there's a pretty good chance that the Suns could really capitalize on that. But you know what? They just gave up a million points and had a double overtime game against the Jazz on Sunday. So I, it's really wide open as far as the wild card goes. But um, yeah, I think... I think the Suns are they're they're in the hunt. They're in the hunt for sure. My at, at least as far as the West goes, I would also go to group C to whoever doesn't win the group between the Kings and the Timberwolves. I think one of those two teams could also sneak in um the wild well. card. Yeah. See, I think <laughs> it's so weird to speculate on these things, but I think what I was looking at was to go back to the Knicks. The Knicks already have a really good point differential and they have an easy easy game after the heat. So even if they lose that heat game, you know, their PD goes down, but then it goes right back up. I think the problem with Kings, Minnesota is whoever wins that game is basically going to effectively knock the other team out. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. Are you ready for a uh, best take worst take? I am ready for best take worst take. Let's go. Should we start with some positivity? Yeah, let's start with the best takes. Well, my best take is kind of a negative one, but my best take <laughs> is also kind of a negative one. I, is it I, Cade? 
Yes, it Minus is. Minus Cade that Cunningham. Is so funny. Uh, so for those of you who didn't see it, Detroit is two and thirteen. Cade Cunningham said, "Quote: We're bad. We have to be realistic about the situation." And you know what? I like it. I like the realism. I kind of hate the false bravado we get a lot of the times. I kind of hate the "We're just trying to get better every day" uh, yeah. quotes. They don't mean anything. Um, I feel like like. What, what does that mean? We're just trying to get better every day. We know NBA teams don't practice that much nowadays. So really, are you trying to get better? Are you going through the motions of the regular season? Be honest. That's why I like it, Cade. Yeah, I mean, I felt like it was the, it was the clear best take. I can't even think of another situation where, another, where a player this early in the season, like the star player, was like, yeah, we suck. Yeah. We, like, we're absolutely awful. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a great moment of just realism from Cade and uh the foul trouble podcast applauds you Cade Cunningham yeah I don't know why I always like am more of a believer in guys who are like brutally honest about their games and guys with like false bravado so like now I'm like even more on the Cade train I'm like all right Cade we'll get this figured out you know you know what the weaknesses are you'll 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 eventually get it plugged when the when the Suns were really bad that was one thing about book he was never he never Tried to convince <laughs> us it. that we were great. The Earl Watson-led Suns were awful. Um, speaking of the Pistons, real quick, another good quote. Jokic got ejected last night versus the Pistons, and he said, quote, I think I helped our defense by getting ejected, which I don't know if that's a great take, but it's a, it's a great take in that it made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty funny. Jokic, I feel like, listens to more like NBA conversation than anybody gives him credit for yeah every once in a while he'll have a zinger like that of like yeah like i'm just this fat guy right <laughs> wing like, <laughs> i suck right <laughs> yeah um patrick what is your worst take my worst take of the week goes to nba legend meta world peace who said this week about the draymond green rudy gobert scuffle that this incident is really surprising to me. Like, how? Wait, that's the take? Yeah. Th- how is this incident really surprising? Like, w- his full quote. Well, I want to talk to Draymond. Make sure he's okay. He's an energized player. That is something I didn't expect from Draymond. Like, what? That's like the most on-brand Draymond Green thing ever to choke Rudy Gobert. Like, it's maybe not like the worst take ever, but like, no, like, it's just a detached from reality. Like, do you watch basketball, Meta World Peace? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, like, what? It, this is a guy, I mean, Patrick, you went through the stats. Draymond was getting ejected in uh, 15% of his games over the last 20. It's like an insane take. That's I, almost one out of every five games you get ejected. And, and like, you would think Meta would keep tabs on on the players carrying the banner of like dirtiest player in the league after after he carried it for for so long but um i guess not james what's what's your worst take of the week um so i, I had to ask so this isn't my worst take but i wanted to ask is it take a statement or is it a is it take your actions you know speaking is an action so words are an mm. action effectively um, not to convolute the takeness. I don't want to ruin the, the segment going forward, but I have to ask, is is a take only a statement? That's Cause, interesting. Because uh, I'm not, this isn't my take. I just had to ask, because is Draymond Green's take on the Rudy Gobert situation, and his take was to choke him, 
Is Ooh. that the worst take? No, I'm not gonna go no there. No way. Yeah, I feel like you got a take is is words. You got um, you got to say it. But I, I I see where you're going with that. I really wanted to nominate Steve Kerr for his take on the situation, but he did rectify it. So I'll mm. give you a pass, Steve. But so my worst take. This has no shot of winning worst take of the month, but it's just too funny, and I feel like I had to say it. Um, my worst take goes to a guy named Anthony, a uh, Laker fan, uh, who proclaimed, "This is what I do." Uh, right before shooting a $55,000 half-court shot, he proceeded to brick the shot and injure his ankle on the shot uh, after proclaiming, quote, this is what I do. This is not what you do, This is Anthony. not at all what you do, Anthony. What you do is break your own <laughs> ankle. <laughs> shooting, a sh- shooting a jump shot. An unguarded half-court heave. heave. Yeah, I feel- <laughs> yeah, so I think that's the worst take. Yeah. Uh, I oh. think we're kind of a... I'm gonna say I think this is a week, uh, like a a a weak week for worst take. Yeah, yeah. Only good takes were were dished out this week. <laughs> I I was like scout like scavenging anywhere I could could look. Like I couldn't I couldn't even find any bad Kendrick Perkins takes. No, he's just on it this week. Yeah. Okay, so who had the worst take, Anthony or Meta World Peace? Or Meta World Peace. I mean, <laughs> this is a dead eat. Yeah, this is a this is it's a tough one. I, I mean, I don't think Anthony meant meant to break his ankle, um, but and he does miss half court heaves. He does miss half court. So I mean, Anthony, I, I don't want to call it a take. Maybe he's just a liar. Yeah, I mean, so he was insinuating. You don't think he meant like this, this is, is what, what I, I do. do? I brick shots. I brick shots. Um. All right. I'm gonna, I'll give it to Meta because it's an actual basketball, NBA basketball take. Mine was just, I don't know. I was just like, you know what? We've had so much craziness on Worst Take. And yeah. I know the first two weeks were kind of crazy in this month. So I don't know if we're going to beat those, but we'll see. We got to we gotta give the shine to the, to the NBA legend. Meta World Peace, you have the Worst Take of the Week. Congratulations, Congratulations. Meta. Congratulations. Thank you guys for watching. Make sure to check out our Foul Trouble YouTube. We are moving the full pods to that page if you're watching on YouTube. And we will see you guys soon. Peace.